Welcome to Life Without Secrets. Do you often find yourself comparing your life to your friends on social media? You see the glamour, the success, the perfect family, the perfect kids, the awesome vacations. But what's really behind the highlight reel? In Life Without Secrets, we are going to dive deep and reveal the secrets, struggles, and strategies people have used in real life to get to who they are now and who they are becoming. Because the truth is, nobody is perfect. And you are never alone in what you're going through. So don't forget to subscribe to the show because it's time to connect on a deeper level and grow together. Today, we have an incredible guest, Dr. Megan Daly, who is on a mission to inspire and guide you towards a life fulfilled with purpose and joy. Growing up under the expectations of a traditional path, Megan found herself achieving success on the surface, but feeling disconnected from her true self. Can you relate? You've hit your goals. You've checked all the boxes society told you of what you needed to do. You have arrived, but yet you feel unfulfilled. If you've ever felt trapped by limiting beliefs or long to build a life aligned with your deepest passions, Megan is here to guide you on that transformative journey. Get ready to be inspired and empowered as Dr. Megan Daly shares her insights, lessons, and the keys to walking away from limiting beliefs to create a life you truly love. So let's dive in together. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited to chat. I know. I am actually really excited to chat too. I think we have, you know, some similarities in like a path we took and the road that we've been on and um, can relate a lot in like healthcare and just like, you know, burnout and that kind of thing. So I'm excited to dive into your journey. Can you kind of take us back to like where it kind of started when you figured out like, oh, like I'm going to go to school for this and this is what future success is supposed to look like. Like take us back to there. Yeah. So I'll start off with saying I have physician parents. If anyone has physician parents, probably lawyer parents. I know I also can relate to a lot of stories around like Asian parents. Um, Mine were very similar where it's like, not only will you go to college, you will go to grad school, you will get a doctorate. It's just up to you as to what that field is, but you know what? It should be like one of these things. So even then I'll kind of jump around just a little bit, but I'll say like as a doctor of physical therapy, like my parents never used the title doctor with me. Mm. They don't see me as a doctor because it's not an MD. Mm-hmm. So that's, if that gives you kind of a general idea of like the level of expectations that was placed on me. Another story that I, I think just kind of sums up where a lot of the the patterns and perfectionism that I developed is... When I was in elementary school, I came home. There, it was like the I had one teacher in sixth grade that I cannot remember really what it was, but I do remember it was the first time like she was actually challenging me as a student. And so I came home with a 90 on something. And my mom looks at me and she says, if I misdiagnose one out of every 10 patients, do you think I would have a job? Oh, man, that's harsh. And she, she was well-intentioned. It was like, hey, let me give you tough love so you work harder. Like that was what she was coming from a really well-intentioned place. I can see that as an adult and understanding her a lot better. At the time, it really was this like, I'm never going to be enough. How, what can I do to prove myself? So fast forward to college. I actually have a mathematics degree. One of the best pieces of advice my mother ever gave me was if you want to go to grad school of some kind, unless it requires you to get a specific undergrad degree, get something that you actually like for the fallback plan. 
So I went into college thinking, okay, I'm going to follow my parents' path. I'm going to go to medical school. I was specifically thinking sports medicine. But I knew that if I didn't end up in medical school, all the other options for like a chem degree, had I'd had zero interest in. So I got a math degree. It was my senior year. I had already decided I didn't like the idea of medical school. I didn't like the direction the medical system was going. I had talked to multiple physician friends of my parents, and all of them said, if I had to do it over right now, I probably wouldn't because of the level of red tape getting put on us. So, but senior year, I went through another small injury myself and then helped a friend through her rehab. At this point, I had been through three surgeries and multiple bouts of physical therapy myself. And I also found out that PT had become a doctorate. So now it was a quote unquote acceptable profession in my family. Oh boy. Okay. Yep. So I full pivoted, finished my math degree, immediately re-enrolled for an extra year, took all the prereqs, um, took the GRE, like did all the things and then got into PT school. Which is great, and, right? Because you're like, okay, yeah. like I can help people. I've been through this. It's something that, you know, I've been through. And yeah. like at the time it felt super aligned. It really did. And in hindsight, I can see it does fit. Like my bigger why, like my deep what I feel like is my deeper purpose in life is to help as many people as possible really live their best life. And at the time, I kind of had like blinders on to like, okay, that is when someone gets taken out of the thing that they love doing because of an injury, like, let's be real. No one goes to PT because they're in pain. They go because all of a sudden they can't do the things that they love. If it were just pain, people would do preventative care a lot more. So all of this to say that it fit that purpose. It just was a smaller capacity. Like I was kind of keeping myself small unintentionally because it, it fit what the parameters were for success, right? Like have a doctorate, work up the corporate ladder, yada, yada, all that stuff, help other people in the process. I can go right into actually like how I realized it wasn't the thing for me because it did serve me for a long time. I, I was second in my class in PT school. I had a 10-year career and it was about year seven that I realized it didn't fit anymore. It did for a while and it no longer fit. It it was meant to be bigger than that. Even just in that, there's a lot of power. So if someone's listening, one of the biggest things to come up against when you realize that you're meant for something more or that you're meant for something different in any capacity is shedding the identity of who you were and shedding the identity of the titles, the degrees. There was a lot that I had to undo and unlearn because for 10 years I'd introduced myself as, hi, I'm Dr. Megan, I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I could feel that. I mean, that's how I identify myself a lot, right? Like, yeah. oh, hey, I'm I'm Jill, I'm Jillian, and I'm an ER trauma nurse, and this is what I do. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I totally relate. So there's, yeah, there's a lot there. And gosh, in the first seven years, I probably hit burnout like five or six times. I just didn't know what it was until time like four because it's so normalized in that field. I think it's actually normalized in the culture in general in a lot of different fields, particularly for women. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like for people that like, you know, because it is it is kind of masked, right? And so like what what did it look like for you? What do, can it look like on the outside, on the inside um, when someone is facing burnout? Yeah. 
there's no one size fits all, but there are a couple different patterns that tend to pop up. And it's fatigue, um, really crashing at the end of the day, lack of interest for the things that you used to enjoy, whether that be hobby time with friends, whatever, um, increased irritability, typically progressive increased irritability with loved ones, like snapping at your kids or your spouse a little bit more, uh, being more reactive versus responsive in any given situation. It can, sometimes there's physical manifestations. It can look like headaches. It can look like digestive issues. It can look like joint pain that doesn't actually make sense based on everything else. Those are just a few. And like I said, it is all too often we'll be like, oh, well, I didn't quite sleep well enough last night. Or, oh, well, I just feel a little off. Or, oh, well, you know what? I have a lot of things going on right now. There's a lot of very sound, reasonable sounding justifications that we can make for why we're feeling this way. Why, why we just feel unsettled and drained. The other clue, I guess, is that if you find that anytime that you slow down, you start feeling sick, whether that's a vacation or a rest day, um, even mild, even like a mild, like, Ooh, maybe I'm going to get a cold in the next day or two. That is your body saying enough is enough. And it needs to dump because it's coping right now. So you're running really hot and it's coping and it's waiting until you rest. So it knows it can unload everything that you're putting on it. And that's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It's like one of the things I teach people now is like, let's be proactive about it, right? Because you are going to ride the edges of burnout. Like I'm not saying at all to like, just be lazy, right? Like that is not what I'm saying. And know where your limits are, be proactive so that your system doesn't kick over into fight or flight and just live there. Yeah. So going back to your story then, so you're going on this traditional path. Was there like a moment or like something that sparked this realization that, you were kind of in start or becoming in this burnout mode or riding on that wave. That's a huge step to like create a new identity, right? Like because you're you've been in this in this um, career for so long. So was there something that really sparked that or kind of um, helped pave that for you that or that that sparked that realization? Yeah, and I'm gonna preface this by saying I really hope that no one has to have this kind of two by four to the head in order to make this realization. Because in hindsight, I can see how the universe or whatever you want to call it was giving me the whispers all along. I had all the burnout symptoms. I, everything was pointing towards like, Hey, like you need to slow down and figure this out. And then my dad got sick. Like we're talking from healthy, active golfer, retired, and then within a month, unrelenting back pain that didn't make sense, got an MRI, it's metastasized tumors throughout his entire back, wrapping around his spinal cord, given three to six months to live. We did eventually find out it was actually triggered, like it was coming from lung cancer. So if anyone knows anything, stage four lung cancer like I, I came from a medical family. We, we knew as soon as we heard that what this meant. I leave my job and go back and be his caregiver, which added an extra layer of, of things. So I'm flying back and forth across the country every two weeks, caregiver for two weeks, and then coming back and working for two weeks while I work on my license going through there in South Carolina to then be back full-time as his caregiver, but then have a PRN job at the local hospital as a PT. 
there's there's a lot. I don't need to necessarily unpack what it's like to be a family member's caregiver. What I will say is the grief of losing a loved one and then the extra trauma of being a loved one's caregiver after the fact, I came back to Arizona, went back into work, and very quickly realized that wasn't going to cut it for me. So about three months after he passed, I stayed for a while to help my mom adjust because she was still working, help out with some household stuff, and came back to Arizona, went back to full-time work, and my system simply couldn't handle it. And that was its own thing to deal with in of itself because I had this, again, this deep conditioning that I needed to be able to keep my shit together at all times. Yeah, because otherwise in your mind you were going to be a failure. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My productivity was so tied to my worth on so many different levels that the fact that I wasn't like, quote unquote, over it in three months and back to running at my normal speed was like, wait, what's wrong with me? So I at least had started doing some personal development work at this point. So I got a therapist. I started doing EMDR therapy. And I very quickly realized I, I can't work a full 40-hour work week because as we know in healthcare, like 40 hours isn't 40 hours. Like all my documentation time was outside of that. Like it was more like a 50-plus hour work week, maybe 60 sometimes. And so I pulled back to part-time with benefits. And even that was like, now in hindsight, once I started diving into this, so you, you asked like how I recognized the burnout, this was the, this was how I recognized it because it didn't seem to matter how much I cut back on work. Everything was still there because I had been living in fight or flight. I had basically been living in some form of burnout for 30 years, pretty much my entire life. So my system was dumping so heavily that. I, and then you have grief on top of it. So like, I really felt like I was drowning at the time. So I'm going to fast forward to when grief was more manageable because then it was like, okay, I, I can't blame this on the grief anymore. There's still something here. I opened up my own clinic in the middle of that too. So January of 2020, oh, wow. I opened up my own cash <laughs> clinic because I, I just, I couldn't, I did very, rec- very much recognize that I kept butting heads with corporate healthcare because I wasn't willing to stay silent about the issues with it. So I switched to opening up cash clinic and that's a fairly common thing that I'm seeing now with physical therapists is we feel unsettled. We feel unfulfilled. Okay. Cash is the answer then. And it's not, you and I were chatting a little bit before this call, how you, you can change environments and they're, there are lots to be said about changing environment being beneficial. And if you don't take care of what's inside of you, it is going to be the same package, different wrapping. And so I built up this cash clinic. Like the Thinking next that was the solution? Yeah. Yeah. Thought it was the solution. Mm-hmm. Built it up to a six-figure clinic within like a year and a half. And pretty much about the time I was hitting six figures, I realized like I, I can't run at this speed. Like this isn't okay. Like the, the output of energy for the input of financial stability, like does not cut it for me. And yeah. So all of this to say there was, I had to take a step back. Like I legitimately had to put pause and be okay with taking a giant financial hit both in the financial and just in pulling back in my business to create the space that I needed because I had 
here's the thing. Like I said, you need preventative care to avoid really bad burnout. You also need to like be proactive on figuring out really what it is that you want and what you need. Because I built up this great thing, but I was running so hot and doing so many different things that I kind of had to start burning things to the ground in order to start to actually weave through what it is that I want. And then obviously I also just spend money on top of it to hire the coaches and the resources and try to DIY and put things together as to what the hell is going on. Yeah. So a lot of people, I think like in your position, they will either like just keep pushing it under the rug. Right. And then they, or they'll just like, okay, all I have to do is push through and like inside, like you're saying, like, like everything is starting to burn around them. Right. And so what was it or what was it that gave you that courage and to really listen to that whisper in your heart? Like, hey, something's wrong here. You have to do something about it. Because like at this point, like you've been through this terrible thing with your dad. I'm so sorry. And that, you know, you've, you're grieving there. You're like, okay, this is the solution. I'm going to start this over here because my problem was the hospital, right? So you start this, the your own um, business over here and but you're still having all these symptoms so like what gave you the courage to just like because oh, that that's really brave right to just I mean you you do you have financial the the thoughts in your head I'm assuming Megan from the beginning of your story of like oh my gosh like now I'm really gonna be a failure to my mom and dad like what what gave you that courage to really listen to your heart in those moments and create change for yourself. Yeah, there's a lot there, but it all really comes down to knowing what voice is speaking in your head. Because like you said, I I did, I had to grapple a lot with, am I seen as a failure? And then I started to realize like, okay, well, whose voice is calling me a failure? Is it mine? Is it my ego? Is it my mom? Like who, if it's not me, then why am I listening to it? And I do want to say by the time I opened up my clinic, because jumping into entrepreneurship is is not for the faint of heart. So I had already done a lot of dissociating my identity from corporate clinician and untying my identity from the traditional path, right? Because even, even leaping into entrepreneurship is you have to shed some of that and you have to learn a lot of time management and energy management and boundaries. So like I was already very deeply on this path and I was also already certified as a trauma and somatic therapist. So as I was getting certified in that, I was applying it to a lot of my own stuff. I'll also say that there are plenty of people who do go cash and cash is going to give them the more freedom. It's just the fact that they still aren't addressing the internal things. So like if someone like jumped and made whatever they do their own thing and kind of got to like write the rules on their own and you're still unfulfilled. The first thing is to really step back and and listen for your voice, not the ego voice as to what do I want? What is for me? And also what's the life that I want 10 years from now? And does this fit that plan? All of that to say, being able to discern the first voice that comes in your head is it your intuition or are you still so, so stuck in the ego that it's the ego talking, right? So the one thing that I will say is when it is actually you speaking, it will be neutral. It won't have like an excited or a negative, like there will be no emotionality to that voice. 
and it won't like judge or shame. Like that's all our ego, right? Our ego is the one that has emotion to it. Our intuition, those whispers that are actually meant for us don't have that. And I also want to say for anyone who is in the space of trying to figure that out, be kind to yourself. Give yourself a lot of grace. It is hard to discern that voice. We have decades of conditioning and everything layered on top of it. So it can be incredibly hard to see, okay, what's me versus what's a conditioned voice, what's an ego voice, etc. And at some point, you just have to not, you have to decide like, like those choose your hard things, right? Like we've all seen those memes on Instagram. Which one are you more willing to deal with? Staying stuck and feeling unfulfilled, but looking good to everyone else and getting the praise and getting the ego boost or doing the really doing the hard thing now in the short term, taking the leap, following the voice, whatever that little nudge is, and actually being happy and liking your life and showing your authentic self. Here's the, the number one regret of the dying, which I bet you're aware of as a, an ER trauma nurse is that they didn't live life for themselves. They lived it far too much for other people. It is by far and away the number one regret of the dying. And so I would rather take the short-term pain and discomfort and, and hard of figuring out how can I be okay? How can I feel okay internally with taking this leap and following this nudges now so that future me can live more of my own authentic life and not have that regret? Yeah. So what I hear you saying is like, you know, anything we do in life, whether you followed the traditional path or you went into entrepreneurship, like, or, you know, you changed careers in the middle, you know, each part of that journey has challenges, right? But most importantly, when we get to the end of the road, did we get to know ourselves and what we were, what we were meant for, what we were did we fulfill our purpose? Did we have joy in our lives? Did we figure out how how to use those challenges to help other people to propel us forward? Can you kind of walk us through like what were some things that you did on your own kind of self-discovery journey that really helped you find yourself? There's a couple different things. Really, one of the big ones that started was journaling because I was so so deep into like a very Western medical upbringing and we'll just call it a skeptical upbringing (laughs) that journaling is kind of that, I see it as like the in-between, right? Like it's rooted enough and it feels just enough like school or this thing that's a little bit more acceptable versus like sound healing, which I'm now very big into. So I started with journaling and just trying to actually journal on like, who am I and what do I want? There's, there's one exercise that I love that I found at the Powerhouse Women Conference a couple of years ago, and it's this exercise where you pick a major like limiting belief. And so I'll just use the example of mine several years ago was I just don't connect with women. Like I saw girl gangs and I was like, that looks amazing. And like, I'm just not going to be able to connect enough with women. I'm too athletic. I'm too straightforward. I'm too, yeah, like I just, I have a very strong personality and I'm, I had been bullied for being smart. Like there's all these different things. So all this like quote unquote proof that I had that would show me that I was right. 
Mm, I bet you so many people listening can relate to that. So thanks for yeah putting that out there. And so I had to write down all of the limiting beliefs around me not being able to connect with women. So all those things like I'm too smart, I'm too strong, I'm too whatever. Um, women just don't understand me. I just can't relate to them. Women are catty, like all these things. Well, actually not the women are catty because I had to relate them to me, right? So like, I'm not catty like other women. And what we then had to do was turn to the stranger next to us and say them as if we were talking about them. So I have now done this with clients where I make them write down all their limiting beliefs and then they have to say them to me as if they are talking to them about me. Everyone feels that gut punch. Like you're not even doing the exercise and you probably felt it a little bit right now because we are so comfortable with saying pretty terrible things about ourselves. And then if someone asks us to actually say it out loud, not about us, but about someone else, like there's no way we would not want to because it's not true for starters, right? And and just so everybody understands like the trueness of this exercise, because I've been I was there too, and this exercise was so powerful. Can you say, like, you could say it to me so that people can hear what it what it is. Like you have to say it to me, all those things. Yep. So I would if you and I had been sitting next to each other, I would have turned to you and been like, You're not worthy of connecting with other women you're too smart for your own good. They'll never accept you. You have too strong of a personality. No one's ever going to love you. Not another female is not ever going to be able to connect with you. And it would go on and on. Like, I think I had 20. And then you're like saying it to that person and it's like hurtful. Yeah. I'm pretty sure everyone pretty much cries during this exercise. Both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even from like a positive, right? So now my good friend, Ashley, I didn't know her at the time, was sitting next to me. And what you then get to hear is someone reflecting back to you just how untrue it is and how this person that just met you can feel your energy enough and mirror it back to you, right? Like we are such our own worst critics And the things that we have created stories around in our mind, because once we create a story, our brains are very intelligent. They will look for the proof. So they will basically snowball the belief in the direction that you want it to go, even though you don't like actually quote unquote want it to go that way. And until it's so solid that it's kind of running your life. And so this exercise is so powerful because it's a pattern interrupt. And you can have someone mirror back to you. Like basically since that day, I was then able to actually connect with women who are for me, right? Like up until that point, even if the right woman had come into my life, I hadn't been able to connect with her because I was keeping a wall up. I was keeping a block there. So I was able to break down some of those blocks. So that's an exercise. It's actually in the journal that I authored. The So I have a published journal and it's literally all of the exercises that I did when I first started trying to find out who I am and what I want. 
Now, if you really want to go deeper, it definitely goes beyond the journal, but it is intended for the late 20, early 30, like whoever's at that moment of their life where they're looking in the mirror and they're like, wait, how did I get here? Like, I don't know if I fully recognize the person in the mirror. Mm. And how do they, how do they get that journal? Amazon, because I am terrible at shipping things. So I do not have it on my website. <laughs> I, I hear you, girl. <laughs> and what do they type in Amazon to find so, it? So rediscovering your best self journal. Okay. Okay, good. That's amazing. So so tell us something else that you did to find yourself. Yeah. Like I said, a lot of it comes to have you have to get okay with slowing down and then just following the nudges. Because I think the beginning of the journey is going to look very different for every person. I could give you an entire list of books that will help. And the one that you gravitate towards, that's the message that you need to hear is going to be very different than the person beside you. Good point. So I no longer really is like, oh, you have to read this book. It's like, okay, what do you notice keeps popping up for you? Right. Whether it's in conversations on social, just in your world, what do you keep noticing? What is the universe trying to point you towards? And I recognize if anyone's not like at all into spiritual stuff, that sounds woo woo. And it's legit. Like what, what keeps getting put in front of you trying to get your attention? Right. So for me, there was a book and then there was just a mentor to follow and just, I did not have the money to hire them, but I just kind of like binged their content and you can have all these aha moments. Now, I'm a giant advocate, slightly biased because I am a coach in this realm. And I'm a giant advocate for everyone needs coaches. It's really nice to have a mentor because you can't read your own label from inside the bottle. So it's so nice to have someone else to help guide and mirror back to you. And if you want to take all like the longer road, you can DIY this stuff and kind of bootstrap it. It, but it really does come down to what keeps getting put in front of you. Who are you feeling called to follow? And here's the other part of it. Where are you getting jealous? Mm, I like that question. Like when you're on social or out in the world, when you see something and you're like, ugh, who does she think she is? For starters, that's not fair to her. You don't want some, like, right? And we're human, so you will catch yourself doing that at times. And that is a great opportunity for like, okay, what does she have or what is she displaying that I am lacking and like have a desire for that I'm just not, right? Like, so an example for me of this, it was a couple months into like this journey of finding myself. And all of a sudden, my Instagram feed was way more filled with like thirst trap photos. <laughs> I didn't search anything to get this. I I have no idea why. And it was this great reminder, right? Because I caught myself being like, ugh, like, why? Why would she do that? And I was like, huh. Okay, what's here for me? And I started to realize, like, so I have a history of sexual trauma. Fairly un uh what's the word I'm looking for like I hadn't dealt with it for the most part and a whole lot of other conditioning so the one book that I will say like if you're a female listening read the book called come as you are because it yeah and that's just because there's a lot of conditioning and stories and whatnot that females have around their desire sexuality sensuality just how their body actually functions 
right? So it, it doesn't even go in depth. It doesn't go into a lot. It just really goes into like what's normal and what's not normal. That book blew my mind. But I read it because I started seeing all of these women and I was like, okay, there's something here for me because I'm so clearly uncomfortable with myself and even thinking about myself in that capacity. What do I need to work on? Because now I will say like understanding yourself in that realm directly ties into personal development, which directly ties into business development. Very, very good. Yep. It's all the deeper stuff, right? The deeper work. Yeah. 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 So I definitely went on like a little bit of a tangent there. Like yeah. I'm not saying no, you I dive think into your is... sexuality if you're like, wait, well, what am I and what do I want? And if that's something that comes up for you, then maybe it is. I mean, let's just be honest. Like we talk a lot about relationships on this podcast in an intimate relationship. That is probably one of the number one things that couples struggle with. So I mean, there, there's, it's, I think it is really important to dive into that and and kind of go on your own self-discovery journey in that topic in particular. So I think you make a great point bringing that up, Megan. I think that's huge, actually. It's huge. What about like, I've you do a lot of solo travel or you have. How, how was that for you? Because I think that I started doing that maybe like probably actually during COVID. You know, I had babies and stuff. And then I started taking... Um, this was probably the the best part of my self-growth journey, if you will, self-discovery journey. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know that this was going to spark so much. But during COVID, one of my good friends and I, we decided to do the eight or the six pack of peaks and you climb the peaks in Northern California. Oh, yeah. And we um, would do like one a month for like six months. And in like 2020 or whatever it was. And I didn't know it at the time, but it would really set me off into this growth journey. And I literally text my friend probably like a couple weeks ago. And I was like, it's so funny where we are today. And I really take it back to those moments on the mountain, like where like you, you can't, you're like away from the world. Like I can't, you can't be on your phone. You know, it's just you and nature and my good friend. And there was so much growth in that. And so I kind of am curious about your journey and did that help you? 100%. Yeah. And even before, because I started solo traveling well before like this entire journey, honestly. Also, what you said brought up one thing that I'll say real quick, because circling back to how do you start to even like get quiet enough or slow down enough? You don't have to like sit in silence for 20 minutes, right? Like most of what I did after I got back to Arizona after my dad passed was solo hiking, going out on the trail, no headphones, no one with me, just me and my thoughts and being able to take my time, think about whatever I needed to do, feel whatever I needed to feel, process like everything. It is just so healing to disconnect and go out on your own, particularly in nature and see what comes up, right? Like let your mind just go through whatever it needs to go through. And so I could be moving, but also like that is a form of slowing down and getting quiet. So circling back to solo travel, I've been, goodness. Okay. So I've been to 20 countries and I think 11 of them were solo. And then at this point, so obviously international, like bigger trips, 
but I, I solo travel all the time. Like the other week, I actually drove from Seattle all the way back down to Phoenix by myself and took a week to do it. It's actually the, so solo travel is the number one thing that I tell people they should do at some point in their lifetime. Have you ever heard of the adventure challenge? Yes. Okay. So the owner of the company was on the podcast just recently. There is a solo book that I'll also put in the show notes because um, it's a really cool thing to like if you don't know where to go or like maybe you're a little bit scared to kind of go out by yourself at first. It kind of gets, helps get you out of your comfort zone and kind of leads the way instead of you having to come up with ideas on how to like discover yourself on these solo trips. It kind of just does it for you. So I think have, if you you should look into it, it's super fun. Those books we have, um, we have the couples edition. Yes, we do too. Life changer. Another, I'm trying to remember what the other one we have is. Anyways, love those with solo travel, and it doesn't need to be the big international trip. Like my personality in general is just the trial by fire. Like I learned how to snowboard by going up on a black and sitting at the top and having to figure my way down. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, that's not me. <laughs> uh, my first solo travel, my first solo trip is I actually moved to Belfast, Northern Ireland by myself for study abroad. Like I purposely picked a, a study abroad program that had no one else from my school going. And the reason is because as soon as you have someone else with you, now you have someone else that you can be like, oh, well, what do you want to do, right? Like you can, con- you have someone else to consider and someone else to even talk to. So when you are by yourself solo traveling, you, you can, like it's up to you. Do you want to be completely alone and just do your own thing and not talk to anyone? Or do you want to make a new friend at the random bookshop or coffee shop or, or wherever you're going? So solo travel at the end of the day, when you are by yourself with no one else to consider, you have to figure out, okay, well, what do I want to do today? And if you struggle with that, now you kind of have to face the emotions that come along with that struggle and what's underneath that. So it's such a healing and a growing process. And I, I honestly think the solo travel that I did prior set me up for having the gumption to take the scary action, to go into the unknown when I was really trying to figure out like, who am I and what do I want? Because I had already done a lot of hard, scary things as far as, okay, let me, let's see, where did, I mean, I did three weeks in Europe with a backpack by myself. There's just so much power in putting yourself in a situation where you are forced to answer the question of what do I want to do today? Yeah. So what I hear you saying is like by doing the solo trips, whether it's like walking out in nature off of your back door or traveling or what have you, and then journaling, right, these emotions, these thoughts that are coming up and asking yourself those deeper questions, like that's really how we start doing our self-discovery process. And it's not really like a one-size-fits-all. It's like this is just a process that you have to go through. What is some things that you do now um, to help you kind of stay inspired and help avoid burnout in the work that you do now? Yeah, great question. So there's a couple different things. In general, my my day looks very different versus the go, go, go. Um, we tend to create a lot of busyness. Busy does not equal productive, but if we're so tied up in productivity equaling our work, we will make ourselves busy and act like we're productive, right? Like making the to-do list and then adding things onto it that you've already done just to crack, like scratch them off. Like that is a coping mechanism. 
and a way for you to try to make yourself feel better about shaming yourself for not doing the other things, right? So one of the big things was breaking myself of all like those habits and then creating space in my day, holding a lot of boundaries, right? Like that will give us our time and our energy back. And it's something that I coach all of my clients on is like, how to communicate a boundary, where do you need more boundaries, and then how to reinforce them because people will try to push back on them. So boundaries for sure, creating space in my day. And what I mean by that is I put me time on my calendar first and it does not get moved. That could be my workout, a cold plunge, a coffee shop, a walk outside with no technology, right? Like I think setting yourself up for success during your day, there is no one size fits all. And in the same vein, if you can just not look at your phone for the first 30 to 60 minutes, get a walk outside, turn lights on inside to get yourself some kind of light if it's not, if it's still dark out. And then like the kind of the normal things, right? Like sleep enough, sleep eight hours a night, drink water, all those things will just help set your nervous system up for success because So when we hit burnout or even when we get injured, right? Like, so if it, I used to be a physical therapist for a decade, I would tell this to patients all the time of the moment that you got injured, isn't the problem. That was just the tipping point. Everything that came before that, including diet, sleep, and stress levels compiled to set you up further towards your capacity threshold. So if we can clean those up, we, we lower your risks significantly. That also goes for mental and emotional health. It's not just physical. So yeah, enough sleep. Good. I'm just going to say good diet, right? Like the, I don't want to get too far into that because do I always eat clean? Absolutely not. Y'all, I have ice cream every night. Heck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll, I'll leave that one for another time. Like if you want to have a bomb nutritionist on, like get my fiance on here. He can dive into all of that, but yeah, so diet, sleep, and then the stress is the main one that I'm going to focus on, right? So the boundaries, the, those are really our key. Yeah. They truly I are. I hear you. I totally hear you. I actually just called a meeting this morning with my husband because like he is like, we're both go-getters, right? And so the pro- the problem with that is that when you're both go-getters and you have, both have like all this stuff that's like good stuff, but it's like coming at you all at once, like I like it was like, okay, we're missing each other a little bit now. And so I'm like, okay, tonight at nine o'clock, we're having a meeting. Uh, and he's like, okay, great. Thank you. And like, we are going to sit down and look at like, we have to have boundaries. And sometimes like we have these moments where our boundaries get blurred because we're human beings. Right. And we're, we're go-getters and we're passionate and like, we want to do all this stuff and we want to have a great life, you know, but it's like at some point, like, like we have to be self-aware enough to be like, okay, meeting, we need a meeting. And I do the meetings with myself too. Like, Hey, Jill, like, you need a meeting with yourself because you are not going off of your boundaries. You said you were going to make time for this. And how many times have you done that this week? You know, <laughs> I we're just, all I guilty. I ran a journal workshop last weekend. And one of the first questions that I asked was, if you can be consistent with the things that are boring, like brushing your teeth every day, what's keeping you from being consistent with the things that you say actually matter to you? Mm, so good. Yep. Good, good. Thank so, God. 
yeah, I think it's really important to like really take time, right? Whether it's, I love the fact that you do a meeting with yourself. So do check-ins where it's, cause that's what I do. I will say like, sit down, have intentional time where it's like, okay, how am I doing? Mm-hmm. How are you really? Yeah. How, how am I really? And are the things that I said, my priorities, one, are they truly my priorities? Like, are they really what I want or were they some sort of conditioned thing? And then am I on track? If I'm not on track, what's keeping me from that? It's likely that I need to hold some kind of boundary somewhere. And circling back to, again, it's, it's you put me time in the calendar first, put time for connection in there because I do think that's important. And then the rest of the time can go towards business or whatever. And with business, it is, it's keeping it streamlined because you're probably like me where you can get really excited about all the things and you could dive in and work for like ever, really. Yeah. And so setting those boundaries with yourself of, okay, here's where work hours end or, Hey, here's the top three tasks that I need to get done today. Everything else can wait. Like whatever it is, there's so many different ways and it's going to look a little bit different for every person, which is part of why I love doing like one-on-one coaching. Cause then I can really tailor it for like the person in front of me because nothing is one size fits all. Let's see. What else do I do? That me time I, I set regular, I'm trying to get better about meditating. Admittedly for someone who is in this world and teaches this stuff, my ADHD goes nuts. I still struggle with consistently meditating, but I will at least do a walking meditation or do a cold plunge where my brain is not really focused on anything else (laughs) or just something to make my brain go quiet. Um, This time of year, actually, it's a lot of when I can go snowboarding because I have realized that I don't think of anything when I snowboard. So it counts Mm. as meditation. Mm, Very cool. That sometimes it's working out for some people, right? If that's your meditation, but then don't throw ear pods in and listen to music or a podcast or anything like just let your mind be quiet Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so good let it be meditation yeah such a good so good so good Megan so who who do you typically coach yeah so I teach the high achieving go-getter female generally from a male-dominated career as well so think like health tech finance engineering because I've seen a lot of consistency in the the culture that those women come from and the conditioning that they have undergone. And so that's typically who I work with to really bust them through the blocks that they're having. In a lot of times it is burnout recovery or prevention, but I will be fully transparent in a lot of the women that I work with. Again, like I said, they don't recognize that that's what it is. Maybe they have by the end of this podcast, but it's a lot of like, oh, well, I'm just, oh, no, there's just a lot going on at work. Or, hey, like, I have all these ideas, but I don't know which one, like, they're grasping for like, okay, if I get this next certification, or if I do this thing, or if I go to this networking event, then I'll, then or I'll I, get to the next Or level. I just have to get through the next three months, right? Yes. I hear that a lot too. Yeah. That's, if you are unfulfilled, if you are a go-getter, if you can resonate at all with productivity tied to your worth, because that they tend to be like the women I work with tend to be able to grasp that first or at least recognize it first. And you just don't know where to go from here. Right. Cause like I said, that voice or being able to discern that voice and what's for you can be really, really foggy until you do a lot of this work. 
So that's who I work with. And it's an, uh, it's the 180 you're looking for in life and 180 minutes flat. Love it. It is meant to be launch pad sessions. Oh, love that. Well, thank you for diving deep with us today. Yeah. This has been such a fun thank conversation. You. And I just appreciate you being open because, you know, some people are like, yeah, I went from this to this and like now everything is great. And I'm like, is that really true? You know, because I'm like everything yeah, we do in life has soul. its own challenges. And like what is the deeper thing under there, right? So I just really appreciate your honesty and bringing it for us today and sharing your story. And I think – a lot of us have learned um, what are the signs of burnout and like what can we do about it and how much that self-discovery process really leads to so many other things in our life that make us feel more fulfilled. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This was so fun. Yeah, it really was. Well, go check out Megan. Megan, where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm very active on Instagram. It's move on the daily. Daily spelled like my last name, D-A-L-E-Y. It is always me in the DMs. And yeah, from there, then the 180s, it's moveonthedaily.com slash 180. And then my podcast is the other one, so which is Human on the Daily. And I talk all about everything that, everything around breaking out of the expectations of others. Mm, love that. All right. Well, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much. If you resonate with Megan's wisdom and want to explore more about her transformative approach, make sure you connect with her on social media or visit her website. Until next time, continue embracing life's journey, breaking free from limitations, and building a life you truly love. Thanks for being a part of the Life Without Secrets community. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Life Without Secrets. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.